Hey there, my name is Vosh. I live stream on YouTube and Twitch, and sometimes I even upload the good bits. This is Previously Live. Hey, can you hear me? Hello. Hey, you hit that uh, pickup call uh, pretty quickly, like the, with, the, with the, the trained efficiency of, one might say, an IWW organizer. Yes, indeed. That's one of the things we train with you people on. The quick call, yeah, you, you know, where you snatch it up real quick. Yep. Okay. Um, so uh, you actually came on the stream uh, some time ago beforehand, and now you're now you're back. Uh, what made you come back for the rematch? Well, um, I came back because to, to reintroduce myself, my name is um, Hot Cow, H-O-T-K-O-W, if you want to spell it. Uh, pronouns he, him. I am an officer in the Industrial Workers of the World, the Connecticut branch. Um, and I wanted to come back on because after I, I watched the video back, I had a friend who saw it. My brother also saw it too. And they said, hey, check it out. He came out pretty good. So I watched it. And I noticed there were a lot of questions that people in the chat, both the stream and all the other stuff, asked that uh, it would have been nice to get a chance to answer or, mm -hmm. or for their sake to answer. Plus, you know, there's been a whole, you know, bunch of other stuff. So um, if you or your, you know, lovely, lovely uh, followers have any questions, whether it's about the IWW, unions, anything else, shanties, who knows, um, you know, feel free to ask. I'll answer the best of my ability. Now, again, I'm speaking as from my experiences. I am not officially speaking on behalf of my branch or the IWW as a whole. Mm -hmm. So make sure you try to separate those opinions. But I will let people know how you know we go about things right you're not speaking as a representative you're simply uh you know uh, you have the scale the talent the skill you um you know uh <clears throat> you have information to share with us so i think i'll take it away for a bit and then the buffoons in chat can have their shot uh if that if that works with them and i know it will um <laughs> what tips do you have for talking to your coworkers about starting a union. How do you get that off the ground? Well, so this is one thing about what we do in our, we do a training, um, uh, organizer training, and we go through AEIOU, I'll bring that up a lot, uh, probably tonight, which is agitate, educate, inoculate, organize union. And one of the things about that training, we try to get everyone in on that, and it's, it's, it's hard, I wish we could just put the training online so people could watch it, but we have people practice talking, um, talking to other people, figuring out how to get involved, bring stuff up. One big key tip I will bring up, and any any IWW member worth their salt who's at a training will bring this up. Never, ever start talking to your coworkers about organizing at work. Not on the shop floor. Doesn't matter about the boss having cameras or anything else. Someone may overhear it, and the talk gets around. So try to find a way to meet that coworker outside of work to talk about something. Um, carpooling is a really good example. I know someone who what they did is they told everyone that their car was broken and they wouldn't be able to get at it looked at until the weekend. So they used every day of the week to carpool with a different coworker so they could kind of, you know, uh, test the waters with with each one of them, and a lot of it's the agitating is very simple. It's like, man, I wish you know, I wish scheduling wasn't so frustrating. You know, I wish they gave us some heads up, you know, on some of this. And it's it's like bitching. You don't want to get people just vent and be overly stressed, but you want to you know have people go, yeah, you know, it's really you know, I hate it. I was about to go to a concert with a friend, and I had to go in and you know work the other night, and it was really frustrating because I thought I had the night off. And you go, oh yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, you know, I, I wish that we could just, you know, get them to set that up and have, you know, Ron, say the manager or whatever, you know, get that established. Mm -hmm. And little things like that, you don't have to jump into everything hardcore, but test the waters, see what's going on, kind of probe a bit and then start, you know, going off of that, seeing what are the issues that each one of your coworkers has a problem with. There may be something that you didn't realize was an issue at work that maybe three of your other coworkers deal with. So understanding and having those conversations helps you understand and go, oh, maybe this is something we can definitely organize around. Well, hopefully that helps. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and a lot of that makes sense. Obviously, there has to be um, 
by design a lot of tiptoeing because uh, reprisal is a real concern uh, whenever you're advocating for a union. Even though it is technically illegal to fire a person for such a reason, it obviously still happens. So, Of course. You know, most people are, ex I want to say except for Montana, um, people are at-will employees unless you're at a unionized workplace. So they will always find a reason to do this. I actually had to tell one of my our new members, we do a little onboarding process and I talk to them and um, they were talking about talking about the union openly at the workplace. And I was like, that's going to get you fired. And if you're on thin ice already, they'll find another reason. They'll come up with something saying you, you know, didn't put the salt, you know, the sugar packets in right and consistently or right, some right, bullshit. Right. Yeah. And they'll, they'll find a reason. That's the classic uh, they don't, one, by the way. They love yeah. you with the uh, the salt and sugar packet one. Yeah, some some bullshit like that, and you just got to be careful. And they will always, if they if they're smart, they won't give it that away. Um, they'll they'll make up some excuse and they'll do it that way. So, yeah, which and sometimes they're not that smart either. I personally know people uh, who have been fired uh, for for causes that are illegal, and their bosses just admit to it. You know. Um, I yeah. actually, I actually knew a person in college who, um, who, who got fired specifically because, or at least their boss said, uh, that they had enough women around the workplace. Like, just a, an astonishing, I mean, truly, I actually, I almost admire it, you know, the forthcomingness of, of that particular individual, but, um, <laughs> they don't always make it that easy. Oh, yeah. And they won't, they won't. I mean, right, right now we have a situation where, so, uh, for our branch... Um, one of our members was working on organizing his workplace. And one big thing is they were going to do a March on the Boss about, and they did, about masks. So it's an art cinema and a little art gallery space in Hartford, Connecticut, called Real Artways. I will call them out now. Um, mm -hmm. He ended up getting fired. And they did a little March on the Boss to say, look, we want masks. We want to require masks of everyone at the front, in the front hallway, right, where the front of house staff is. So when people interact with the front of house staff, they wear masks. And we want management to back us up. And they felt that management wouldn't. So he was fired on the spot. And the others were, of course, stressed out and scared. And, and that's kind of really thrown off his whole thing. We were planning on doing an action um, out, you know, to, to pick it outside of a, uh, a it was going to be tonight. It was going to be a... Uh, Oh, some art show our art show is going to be on, you know, up there is going to be premiere. But of course, the event was canceled because it would have been a super spreader thing. And Hartford County has now made Hartford, uh, the city of Hartford, require masks at all businesses. So it's kind of a weird situation. But back and forth, the Real Artways reached out to our branch and was complaining about the post we made on Facebook, calling them out on this. Right. And they said, you will be fired because of this. He was fired for another reason. We can't get into it. And they actually can. Like, they can tell me. Like, if he's a lying asshole, I'd like to know as the officer in his union, so I know he's not pulling our chain. But the reason right. they're probably not going to tell me is they're going to be, you know, shifty about it is because they know what they did is probably problematic and potentially illegal, and therefore they don't want to admit what they did. And they're like, oh, well, no, we, did, we can't get into it. But they, what's great is they started the email with... Uh, my parents were in the union, and my dad was a, he was a was a shop steward. I'm really pro union. I really love what you guys do. And for my progressive, it was like, go fuck yourself. It's like saying I have a black friend. No, it's yeah, yeah exactly. Count. Hey, listen, sweetie. Okay, I have lots of union friends. All right, I'm so <laughs> pro union. But yeah, yeah, I I imagine not, that's. Uh... I'm not sexist. My mom was a woman. That makes me half woman, right? You know, whatever. Fucking bullshit. Damn, your mom was a woman. Pog. Uh, no. I um obviously the power the power dynamic is really really stacked against people unionizing right now which which is why all you know all the subterfuge all of the um all the the hyper cautious defensive behavior it's deeply unfortunate and it's pretty broadly representative of how bad the situation is for us but in your time doing what you do how how much success do you see? And and I'm just saying, I know you rep for your org, but like, be honest, is this like a a slow, painful death march, or do you think that with strong, hands-on, learned union advocacy, there's like a decent shot for for at least a decent number of people to get unionized? Uh, yeah, I mean, so it's tough. Um, as long as I've been doing it and and being part of the union as a whole, it's a it's a tough slog. 
Um, so I mean, the uh, once the IWW, we are. It's been very difficult for us. Like compared to you could, there's a lot of people in more established unions like the AFL-CIO, Teamsters, and whatnot, who probably look down upon the IWW, who see us as a bunch of larpers or cowboys and and like a book club. And in a lot of instances, that happens. There are a bunch of IWW people who sign up online because you can, and they're often leftists. And they think they can just start spreading stuff and that can be organizing. Or sometimes a branch will get together and they'll really just be a book club. Granted, there are, I've been in communication with a lot of branches, um, definitely more than a handful, who are actually organizing their workplaces, who are actually getting their members trained, who are focusing on that. A lot of the people I talk to in the general executive board um, have that. And the organizing department, you know, they're all behind us on that. And it all depends on getting trained. And making sure that if, say, you're in a former general membership branch, the purpose of that branch is to help organize the working class. So you need to make sure that everything you do is how are we going to help our workplace organizing? How do we encourage it? How do we enable it? How do we support it? And how do we keep it going afterwards? And building that infrastructure and talking to other branches helps you learn what that infrastructure needs to be. Okay, after after you know a branch, a job branch goes public, right? Say we organize an Arby's here in Connecticut. Well, we got to make sure that we support them. So maybe members of the GMB are going to help those guys with, say, admin work. Mm -hmm. It's all about the planning behind that. I think it's it's possible. It's definitely possible. You just can't go in it half cocked. You can't go in it not knowing what you're doing. And you have to understand that it's it's a bit of a struggle. You got to you know chip at it bit by bit by bit. But as long as you take that time to take a deep breath, know what you're going at, having a plan of attack, it's possible. It's absolutely possible. I think people just need to make sure they get the skills, get the training, and get the support they need. And whether that's from the IWW or the Teamsters or the you know farm workers, whatever. I'm pro union regardless, um, except for a certain you know union with people with badges and guns. But you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, now, um, do you feel as though the way the online left agitates and um? propagates information and all the like do you feel as though that actually sets people back with regards to acquiring and using the skills necessary to be a good union advocate uh short answer yes um and it all it depends every different people are different i think there is a tendency um again online to you know go for that spicy meme attack and you know, escalate. And some people are more left populists. Uh, there are certain big streamers and leftist, um, you know, streamers and video ma content makers who are very much like that. I'd say Kot Glinsky, he calls himself that. Um, that. That kind of idea where people are very much more about the hot take and everything like that. And it builds a, a kind of hostile environment. Even if someone's, you know, a bit more moderate than you, suddenly they're unforgivable. And that kind of does not help because you have all this just shit going around and it just makes it you know people don't feel as if they can approach to it and it also goes people sit there and talk big games about unions and we should do this and we should pass this bill and make it easier for unions but that's not going to save everything unless the unions take advantage of that um so i th i think it's definitely an issue and can be harmful i uh, an example of this is uh, a couple months back so we have a system in our union where, in our branch, where if you've never chaired a meeting before, and we chair it by Rusty's rules, we want you to chair three meetings in a row. Rusty's so you can rules. understand what? Rusty's rules. Rusty's rules of order. So basically how the meeting goes about, kind of like Robert's rules. Um, so basically parliamentary procedure. And okay. that's how our meetings go about. And so everyone kind of understands that. Um, and this person who gets to chair is often a new member, someone who's been in there for a while, and they get to plan the agenda i send them the agenda items they put the agenda together so they actually get some power to if so if we don't run out of time they can put something at the bottom um and it's really easy and it helps them realize oh this stuff isn't that hard i can step up one of our members um couldn't make it for a while because her other union the nurses union uh fseiu um in connecticut was going to go on strike they were planning a strike nursing home strikes because they weren't getting any support this was nursing homes rest homes um homes for people with disabilities a big thing and it escalated so they were about to go on strike and the wednesday before right after the day of our meeting uh we found out that 
the governor of Connecticut, Governor Lamont, had signed a, an order having the National Guard be strike breakers. A classic. So they were just going to go and fill in the positions of the nurses. The um, National Guard. The National Guard, Connecticut National Guard. And the strike was supposed to happen that Friday. Thankfully, a deal was made. But immediately after our meeting, I was in a meeting with a bunch of other people all around Connecticut with leftist groups and all this other stuff, including some jackass in the Green Party who I really hate. Um, but I'll get to it in a bit. Um, and we were talking about support. What can we do to support the union? And you could tell the people who had actual union background and the people who were just young leftists who had the heart in the right place, but were a bit overeager. Those young leftists were like, oh my God, we got to bring them, you know, stuff for tear gas and everything. These nurses are going to get their asses kicked. And we're like, no, they're oh not strike God. breaking. They're not strike breaking like they did at the turn of the last century. Though I, I, I understand the fear. That's what really they're doing. embarrassing. Yeah, what they're doing. And thankfully, everyone who was an actual head union background stepped up and said no, including the guy from the Green Party who I hate, actually was able to step in and be like, no, that's not what we're doing. Um, that's not what they're doing. Uh, don't worry about it. Like they are, we're going to have national, we would have national guardsmen and women uh, serve, you know, going in and acting as nurses for patients they don't know in conditions they're not trained for. And that is inherently dangerous, but mm -hmm. they're not going to be going in there with tear gas and rubber bullets or live bullets and beating the shit out of striking nurses on a picket line. And you could see that disconnect and that kind of disconnect is big. Now we, you know, there's a lot of stuff peeled over. We didn't have to do any of that support because they got their demands and the National Guard didn't have to go in. But you could see that disconnect. Can I, and ask I think one quick some question? of that online stuff happens. Oh yeah, go on. Sorry. Somebody in chat asks, isn't it illegal for nurses to strike because it puts people's lives in danger? It can be if they just go on random, like they just say we're on strike, they walk out. What happened is the so part of these uh nursing homes and rest homes were going on strikes at different times because they need to actually arrange for people to come in oh, and fill okay. the positions. Gotcha. That's part of actually the, a contract the way they do it. They go, look, we're going to go on strike, and they go, okay, well, we'll have to call in temp workers. One of the issues where the National Guard had to be called in is because these homes didn't have any plans to get these temp workers in, and also everyone in the nursing profession was kind of, you know, been pretty fucking busy over the past year and a half. So that was one aspect of it. Um, so that, that's, that's how that goes. It's a little thing about labor law, but it valid, valid concern. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So it's, it's basically like how, um, when you take a day off, sometimes the boss asks you to like find your replacement shift, except larger and more institutionalized. It makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I'd be, I'd be a little sad if I was in the hospital after some injury and then everyone didn't show up. Yeah. I would. That would Just negatively affect my day. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, every other nurse shows up, just not the ones that were taking care of me. They're like, oh, well, you know. Yep. Um, okay, that makes sense. I think I, I completely understand what you're getting at with this like um, online left versus union experience divide. Because, you know, I feel like pragmatism is something people have a lot of trouble with in the online left. And unfortunately, like unionization is something where you collide brutally with the expectations of and necessities of practical work. There's really no room for like wacky, LARPy behavior, you know? Um, and man, the idea of like being in that room and, st and beginning to talk about like rioting tactics, the thought is so strange to me. But I guess that's what people online are taught to an extent, isn't it? When people, when leftists online like learn about stuff like this, they don't learn about the practicalities of fighting back against unjust systems so much as they learn about the history of the suppression of labor movements. And from that, you'd think that like all labor disputes turn into Pinkerton showing up to cap you in the back of the head, you know? And yeah, yeah, and so everything gets gets exacerbated to the highest possible level of imagined conflict, and and. There's nothing to talk about anymore. Yeah, we're, we, it is this month is 100 years since uh, Blair Mountain, the Battle of Blair Mountain. But just to remember, it's been 100 years since the Battle of Blair Mountain. That, that shit isn't happening as much, not in America. Um, so, you know, there's definitely ways the boss comes down on you. And there's sometimes, uh, yes, roughing up sometimes does happen with stuff like that. But yeah, it's not, you know, it doesn't automatically go into that. Yeah, and the assumption that it always will can sometimes make it really, really difficult to pull people over.
it seems. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, that all um that all tracks with me. Uh chat. I'm looking at you now. I'm interested in what you want to know. So let me know what you want to know. And um I guess while I'm waiting on them, how's your day been? Um pretty good. Uh work work went well. Uh you know, was able to cut parts on the water jet, make everything pretty well, came home. Um I have a friend who set who has a who's being very vax reluctant. So I'm and he's sending me all these weird conspiracy stuff and I finally watched one of them and I went like 30 minutes into it before I realized this the man in the video was not a real doctor and and I've been taking a whole I worked a bit on that today my response to my friend because I love and care for this man and I don't want him to like I don't want to be hostile to him, but I really want him to know that this guy's a, a grifter and he shouldn't, you know, believe him. So I took some time to write on that, and I felt, you know, what I wrote came out good, you know. So nice. And then I played some Ion Fury, and um, you know, got my ass kicked. Fair. Okay, we have some. Uh, first off, you're being asked, uh, how does one educate themselves on what unions are nearby? Um. I assume well, what they mean is union resources, not the unions themselves. Um, there, I mean, there's always the best places just to look up for union locals. That's usually the simple thing and figure out what unions are nearby and, you know, Teamsters and a bunch of these other unions like machinists unions also have organizing. They have external organizing. So it's a bit of a different way they go about organizing. But um, it's still a lot of valuable resources to say, hey, look, I'm thinking about organizing my workplace. And you guys, you know, are able to get good demands. And and then they have, and you can reach out to their website or their numbers. But if you know that there's a local nearby, it actually helps and goes, okay, there's actually a physical presence, which will which will really be helpful. Gotcha. Um, that's um, one of the best ways to do it. Uh, what, uh, how can you try to unionize in a research setting? The labs all compete for funding nationally and work is on a timeline, so a walkout isn't really feasible. I guess you could broaden this to like unionization in non-standard work environments. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's the big thing, right? We talk about, you know, uh white collar jobs, right? You know, traditionally white collar jobs that are still work. They're still technically working class. They don't own the means of production, but it's a lot harder. Um situations like that. That is definitely something I I don't have a lot of I wouldn't have a lot of experience in, but I, I know someone who's actually been talking about with lab assistants and people who do a lot of research stuff and how to get that and that seems very much very similar to the struggle to get say uh what's the what's the looking for not contract workers um gig worker the gig economy i think there can be a lot of um a lot of things you can learn from the the efforts to organize the gig economy and how people have been working out and reaching out to them um i feel that it's it's not exactly the same but the kind of freedom that one has in research and a lot of the stuff you deal with and having research being all over in different labs competing with each other is definitely um, definitely something that, you know, may be able to compare and contrast. Gotcha. Do you have any opinions on the NEA, the National Educators Association? Um, well, it's a union, right? That's nice. So, uh, so it is... Uh, it gets a lot. I mean, here's the th I, I think it does a lot of good work because there is organizing and they've been able to get um, a lot of demands. Uh, that being said, um, I think they could always do. And this is one of my big things with a lot of the tr traditional unions like the AFL-CIO. And I try never to shit on them. Some people get really hostile towards them and they get stuff done. Um, I think they could always afford to be more militant, to put less of their efforts into political electoral uh efforts uh when possible and putting more into saying actual uh organizing on the ground as well as um promoting workplace democracy unions of any type not just the iww but any union is what what the workers make out of it it's what the members are you're part of that union mm -hmm. if you want to make sure that union your union makes sure there's some kind of standard for craftsmanship make sure that's a thing step up and be part of that and i think though the nea needs to really work i think still keep working with more militancy at directly on the workplace um as well as um making sure it fosters 
of workplace democracy and union democracy. So it doesn't just all consolidate into a small group of people. And that's sometimes hard because teachers and other educators are, are highly overworked. So you kind of are too tired to want to go to a union meeting, but you want to make sure that you are facilitating that. So I think that'd be one great thing they could do. Gotcha. Um, I think it's possible. All right. A, a question, um, a question from me then. In your experience, how amicable do Americans seem to be to pro-union talking points, whether they're phrased overtly or not? I think a lot of people, a lot of people are. <clears throat> I actually, I've had some conversations with people in bars um, recently, um, which, you know, not, not trying to organize them there, but the conversation comes up. And there's a lot of people that are pro-union and they think unions are great and would love to do something about a union. And some people have had some bad experiences. Some people have very hostile experiences, but others are very much um, like the idea of it, very much pro-union. They definitely think certain other people deserve a union. Like they'll talk about Amazon and say, yeah, they definitely need a union. Um, but they always, it, when it gets to their own job, they kind of get hazy and a lot of people do. Um, but others are saying, hey, it'd be really cool. I just don't know how. I think a lot of people are amicable. It's just uh it's all about again phrasing and their situation their workplace and their experiences some people may have had a bad experience with the union in the past or have had a workplace where they've never really needed one or they feel their workplace isn't conducive to one um, these are all that. things that can be addressed yeah a follow through on that how do you know if you're in or are being sold on a bad union hmm well if you're a cop and you're in a union, you're being sold on a bad union. Um, no, uh, it's definitely, it's, it's one where, if, if for, for instance, if your union or your union local isn't listening to people, is not one where you feel that you and your fellow workers on the, on the shop floor have a vote, have a say, and as a bunch of members, you, don't, you, you feel that your leadership isn't being conducive, that's not ideal. You don't want that. You remember, you are the union, and so your leadership isn't conducive to that. That means, rare case, that person's inherently just bad, or something has happened in the past that has calcified this kind of bureaucracy. And that bureaucracy is only calcified in all these unions because we let it. That's part of the reason. We allow that to calcify. So as long as you can break that free and resist it and build more, you know, work union democracy and, and, you know, feedback and feel that they're being responsive. That's, I think, if you, if you feel, oh, this isn't responsive, I don't feel like represented, I don't feel like they have my back, then, then you're probably not in the best union. To an extent, um, that, that's also in, in part because of a lack of competition, right? If unions were more popular in this country, not literally competition, but at least access, if unions were more popular in this country, people would be more aware of them and what they should be. It would be easier to push back against bad unions because we would have a better image of what a good union is. There'd be more people yeah. willing to step up and make good unions as well. Yeah. No, it is a problem. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. We have some people in chat who are asking the kind of questions that remind me of the uh, leftists who... Um, talked about strike breaking tactics at the nurses strike well let's do it let's get controversial <laughs> more more pie in the sky um stuff about how to unionize the military which i i mean if you'd like to take a shot at answering that one there's oh i mean that that's um absolutely legal now it's it's there the military can't join technically any soldiers union but theoretically uh, soldiers and sailors and airmen and marines and coast guardsmen and women could all join the IWW because it's technically an industrial union, not a craft union or a trade union. But there are, um, there's a wonderful, wonderful, uh, what is the documentary called? Uh, Sir No Sir. That's about basically the resistance of rank and file troops against the war in Vietnam. And I think that's a really good example for how, how do you organize the military? And that's a really good way to start it. Um, and granted, of course, if we had a military that really, you know, was ready to go on strike, if they thought a war was really stupid or, you know, there was no deadline, um, that would definitely be a problem um, for sure. So, you know, to, to, you know, the military industrial complex, but it would definitely stop us from going to pointless fucking wars. Okay, fair. Um... How do you sign up for the IWW? Like the pro the actual process of, of going on the website. What's expected of you? Well, what's what's expected of you is um is just to 
fill out the the uh, form. There's a nice little link that says uh, IWW membership. I'll share with you, and you can share with your chat. Um, hey, um, it's pretty easy. It just says join today. Um, and if it goes on about the, the practical benefits, it'll it'll ask different things about it. Remember, if you are a student, you can sign up. If you are unemployed or retired, you can sign up. Um, you just have to put when they ask for organization, you can say retired or unemployed currently. That's fine. You, they're not going to hassle you for any of that. And you'll be, you know, all your stuff will be processed. You'll get your red card sent to you and you will uh, get your access to the GOV referendum. And hopefully they will put you in contact with the nearest branch. Um, I know I when the moment I get the email about you know, a new worker in our area who's joined up, I send an email right away saying, hey, do you want to get in contact? And we'd love to, you know, have you be someone we, uh, you know, work with, that kind of stuff. So they know that, uh, you know, whether they respond or not, that's on them. But I try to make sure I get there as so soon as possible. So you're saying people should sign up because they can make friends? Yes, that's one way. Hmm. That's one reason they sign up. Not necessarily a bad way either. Um... Mm -hmm. Let me see. Do they have any tips for healthcare workers that are being mistreated due to the COVID crisis? I think that's a good one. Yeah. Um, especially, it also, I just saw the question uh, scroll up, especially uh, how not to be fired for, for unionizing. Um, I, again, big thing about the trainee is keeping an eye out it, making sure you're being subtle, reaching out to people. Um, if you can carpool with someone, that's the best way to do it. Um, I'd say you got to make sure that you are you get as many people on the same page. And one big thing is make sure people make kind of public statements about, hey, I think we should definitely make sure that everyone's wearing a mask or, hey, I think we, we need more support from people, you know, who are management or the owners or everyone else here when we have to deal with this. And we want to make sure that we have you have our back and being able to just have multiple people like. If even if it's us uh, five people coming up to the management saying, "Hey, I just I just want to know, can you have our back for this? I'm really stressed out." And I and they have have them work on a little script, right? Mm -hmm. Or just have them kind of say something. They'll all have different variations, so it won't sound exactly the same. But they'll make it seem like they're not being too pushy, and they'll just say, "Look, uh, I really would love if we could just look at you know mask wearing here, or make sure that everyone's wearing a mask, or see what we're doing about people who aren't wearing masks." And I just really want your support because it gets really hostile with these people. And you say that, and then your coworker says something similar to that, and it keeps going. And that way, the boss kind of knows something's up. And then eventually, if nothing happens, you then can organize a potential march on the boss. But the little things like that make them go, oh, this is an issue. I should probably stop this before it gets worse. So as a um, general rule, deferring to um, collective action is a good way of insulating yourself against what would otherwise be the consequences of, of, of stepping against your boss. Yeah, exactly. You, the more you, you all stand up together, it becomes harder for them to retaliate, especially if it's if it's more than just one person. If they can't identify a leader as well, that makes it um, tough for them. Mm -hmm. And you have that collective action to go, oh, this is a bunch of people. If I fire all of these people, I'm down. Like, I'm screwed. This is really bad. If I fire all these people for marching, all 20 of these people for marching in my office and demanding that I, I accept their terms and or demand that I make you know changes for how we have policies for certain things, it's going to look bad. They'll try to target who they think are the leaders, which is why you do everything you can under the radar so you and other potential leaders aren't ID'd. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, what do I do? Together strong. What if I do if I'm already part of the IWW, but there are no branches near me? Right. Well, I would do everything I can to get in contact with the organizing training uh, committee and see if you can get into an organizer training. We're still doing a lot of them online, and a lot of times they have people pop in who aren't part of any branch so that they can pop in and take part in the training. We have one coming up in October. I think we're doing it with Salt Lake City. And um, I'm sure you know we're going to have some people who are not just in our branch, but IWW adjacent that we know of. And I'm sure that the um, organizing training committee will send some uh, orphaned wobblies our way. And that's absolutely fine. So I make sure you keep reaching out to them and GHQ. Be patient if you can um, about getting that training. I think that's step one. Gotcha. After you can get that training, then 
potentially you can think about reaching out to other people trying to form a general membership branch or trying to organize your workplace but making sure you get the support there from uh, the organizing department board to do that and then building up from there so that you actually can have the IWW have some presence in your area but make sure you get that training first because the training isn't just good about how to organize your workplace but it's good at how to organize your branch like everything I learned for that has helped me with my own branch making sure that we are something that we're constantly relevant. We're not just, we're, we don't fall into being a little book club, that we actually are working on things and we're making sure everyone has tasks and we're making sure we're, we're making progress to our goals. Gotcha. So, um, What is the IWW doing to boost its membership after decades of declining support? Well, some of us are going on uh, popular streamers, bearded streamers uh, streams to get the word out. Um, Oh, a lot of things. So uh, a lot of branches do different things. We try to, uh, you know, we have an agit prop committee. So for, you know, agitation propaganda. So we're been working on having little campaigns where we're spreading out, you know, flyers and po posters. Sometimes it's going to shows with a literature table and having that set up. Granted, that's not happening a lot now because of COVID. Right. Um, you know, sharing stuff online uh, with saying a Facebook presence. I try to make sure that for Connecticut, that our Facebook our, for our branch is very pro-union. It's often trying to give people solutions, letting people know what's going on in the IWW and throughout labor, as well as other issues. Um, and that makes people go, oh, this is a thing, and, and keeping people updated on what the IWW does. Um, sharing those stories as well. So people go, oh, hey, because that's how we build that strength. The moment people see another workplace somewhere getting organized, like Burgerville Workers or Voodoo Donuts, you know, you go, hey, maybe, maybe we can get our place organized. I, That's uh, not a bad. And they get involved. Voodoo Donuts organized. Yes. Uh, Voodoo Donuts did organize, um, has been organizing. And uh, uh, that's a big thing. Because I think at one point, the heat, this is a big thing that happened recently. Um, there was a heat issue, right? And, and it was so hot. Like it was hotter inside the shop than it was um, outside. And people, uh, you know, walked and they had a heat related strike, basically, because people would walk in and customers would just go, yep, nope, and fuck right off. And the frosting was melting off of donuts, which you don't want, especially within the shop. Right. Um, so they've they've been doing and working on that, I know for sure. And um, so it's definitely, you know, a process. But, you know, you see those, you sell, you share these stories. And you're communicating, you're reaching out. Um, and one one goal is the uh, goal of IWW delegates is to reach out and talk to people and get them signed up. Um, and people see this and they go, oh, that's the best way. But I mean, the best, again, the best way is we can successfully organize places. We talk about that. We're loud. We're proud about those successes um, and what we're doing. And people then go, oh, that's cool. We can join up and we can start. I got to start organizing my workplace. And that's the system that we have to go with. Um, how big does a workplace have to be before it's reasonable to attempt uh, any kind of union action? I mean, a union is two or more workers who get together to improve their conditions. That is the legal definition in the country. We actually have a more, uh, the IWW, you know, the U.S. is a better labor definition than, say, even Canada to a degree. Um, that's it. If you have one person who's the boss and it's you and someone else, the employee, and you're being treated like shit, you two employees can form a union. You can. It's really small, but you can. You know, if it's a mom and pop shop and there's five employees, that's that's worth organizing. All of it. It's one thing the IWW does focus on really well. If you've got that mom and pop shop and there's just five of you, you know, some of the big unions might, you know, not see it as a big thing for them to go with. But, you know, we will say that and say, yeah, here's the skills, here's the training, here's how you do it. Um, because those jobs matter just as much. A, a, a small business owner, even of a mom and pop shop, can be just as much of a tyrant as Jeff Bezos. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. People often overlook that because in terms of absolute influence and harm, I mean, of course, a multi-billionaire CEO is going to outstrip any mom and pop shop. But in terms of the actual effect on the lives of a worker, um, yeah. In fact, I think that a disproportionate amount of wage theft takes place at those smaller places, in part because the lowered expectation for professionality or professionalism leads to sort of more of leeway with wage theft, and also because the um, business owners essentially take advantage of a parasocial relationship. Um, yeah. 
Oh, exactly. Yeah, or, you know, oh, we're, we're struggling. Yeah. We can't pay you right now. I'm so sorry. That kind of thing, you know? Exactly. Though we're a big family here. I thought we were family, all this stuff like that. Um, one of our, some of our workers that did this, this was many years ago. Um, we weren't even official branch. They did that. And they, the bosses had tried to play that relationship up with some of the workers um, because, oh, I helped you fix up your house and everything. And the guy thankfully gone through inoculation training to be prepped for that. But, you know, they try to, they try to, um, to pull that and sometimes people fall fall prey to that themselves because oh i know this guy and we're really close and all. it's like look they're really close but in that position you're an employee they're the boss and they should be treating you better and you know that's it's hard it's hard and we fall prey to that all the time it's something we just need to be aware of yeah okay i completely agree with that uh let me see let me look through mostly people making fun of uh dishonest business owners they look past that Somebody asks something that I can answer. If you live in a right-to-work state, is unionizing impossible? Yes, I'm happy to say. Uh, otherwise, unionizing would be quite impossible all over the place. Um, yes, it's tough, um, but it's possible. Like, for instance, there'll be a second chance for the Bessemer uh, a warehouse in Alabama. Um, so, How often do you work with unions abroad? Um, Personally, I don't. Um, I'm mostly dealing with Connecticut and a bunch of other branches, but I have, you know, chatted, I think, a couple times with some of the uh, branches. Uh, I know IWW does have branches in all over, uh, so in some in Ireland and some in Great Britain, um, and it's been really interesting to talk to some of them. I think there are a couple from Great Britain that were doing some organizing that came over, and we, we had a good chat with them and about their struggles. Um, but usually, I, I don't. Um, but as a whole, I know the IWW does have relations with groups like CNT and all the other all those unions as well. Um, they're not like a full like alliance or in the massive international federation right now. But I know that there's is relatively good relations and communication. Okay. Um, as far as I know, unless there's some been some secret beef that I'm unaware of. I, maybe who knows? I, yeah. I I imagine that it's it's pretty difficult sometimes to work directly under those circumstances in large part because the conditions for unionizing are so 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 different um between these countries you know like general tactics are probably universal but in terms of what you have to overcome that is that has got to vary unbelievably so yes oh yeah it's it's different from different countries um people are just used to it and um and that does help and also a big thing like Trade Federation, so here's one thing that's been brought up, I know because it's something that's been in the, the online leftist space, well, some of it, uh, the absurd idea for October Strike. Um, ah, or, yes, uh, I was going to ask you that myself. Um, let's do it. Um, I would actually, willing, I've actually, so every once in a while I've been reminding you on, on, on Discord, of like, hey, just, you know, make sure, da-da-da, we set this up. I think I was kind of drunk one time, but I said, hey, I really just want to beat the shit out of all these kids asking for October Strike. Um, so... Calling for a general strike is a grand thing, and if you do it, you're a jackass, because general strikes, effective ones, at least in this country, aren't called. They just happen. Um, uh -huh. The Seattle general strike just happened um, way back in the day. So in other countries, trade feder you know, union federations, they call general strikes, and part of it's a political flex to show that they still have power, to show that they're members, because you can have people in a workplace, in the same workplace, doing similar things, but some people are part of one union, the other people are part of another. And the that one trade union they're part of will then, a trade union federation will then call their own strike to kind of show members, hey, look what we can do. So that's part of their little flex. So that's part of something that goes, one of the reasons like the approach to unionizing is kind of different in different countries as the US doesn't really have those competing trade union federations uh, where they're using a general strike as a flex to just recruit more members. It's, it's a bit more complicated than that. Um, but yeah, that's part of the reason what happens with general strikes. Um, but yeah, usually we, if you want to strike, you should probably like be organized and be in a union. And it's been really interesting to observe and go online and checking these spaces to seeing people talking about this. And there's no like leadership. There's no people with any organizing yeah, this experience. Is, this is the thing that always gets me. It seems like it's kind of the ultimate virtue signal because, um, because you get to feel like real big, big and powerful, flexing your chest, talking about how, oh yeah, general strike, we're going to do it. Now, there's absolutely no way something like that could happen without 
some kind of groundwork or organization. And if you do it without that, all you're going to do is engender passivity and make people feel like shit. If you get people really, really, really psyched up about the possibility of a general strike because they don't really know the logistics of planning such a thing and then it doesn't work, all you're really doing is cementing in people's minds the idea that unionizing is, is, a, is a waste of time and so are strikes because it just it doesn't work, you know? Yeah, oh, exactly. And they, they, they go on this stuff and there's one person going, well, the, the, we don't know only 10% of American workers are unionized. We, we, we outnumber them. So we just need to get everyone else involved. It's like, well, if you could get them organized, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Some people have this weird arrogance to it because the people go, where are the unions? And they have this huge arrogance because they don't know how to talk to the coworkers. They don't know how to organize. They think that, oh, if you, if you go out and you walk out on your job you're, and you're on a strike, it's you're protected. Well, you know what? You're still going to get fired. And sure, it may be illegal. But guess what? If you're the only one to walk out of your job and you say, I was on strike, I was doing this, it was an October strike, they're still going to fire you. Sure, you can apply the National Labor Relations Board and get an unhigh, you know, you know, unjust labor practice. But guess what? You're probably going to lose that case and you'll be down a bunch of money because you walked out. And if you have a bunch of you walked out and you had a bunch of people organize your workplace, yes, you'd actually would have a union and you'd actually would have an argument. You'd be able to win. You could have some power there. But you just walk out, and there's a bunch of people that may walk out on this thing, if they do at all, on the 15th or the 10th or whenever, and they're going to lose their jobs, um, which will be fantastic for everyone who's left adjacent because it'll show what a great movement this is, right? Mm -hmm. It's absurd. You need to have a unions to back you up. You need to support them. And you can't just tell people because these people have been going into the IW spaces, even other union spaces as well, um, and saying, hey, you guys should join us. Well. Strikes are organized by our members, our workers who are part of a union. It's a collective democratic process. We have a discussion. We vote on it. None of us had any input, let alone voted on the date or the demands or how long. Mm -hmm. It totally ignores everything we've been doing and everything the Teamsters and the UE and the farm workers and teachers have been doing and how our struggles are. And then you come here to this small group of young leftist kids and say, hey, um, you should all do exactly what we're doing. We need your support. We can't do this without you. It's like, I know. That's why you probably should be part of labor, be labor involved and understanding what we're doing. And it's absurd. And then people keep then spouting bullshit like, oh, they need, to, they need to represent the workers. They're too corrupt. They're in, in the pockets of management now, all these officers. Well, maybe you actually don't represent these members as well. And you can't say that we're failing to represent workers when you're saying that you're representing everyone and demanding people go that's vanguardist bullshit and that really only works unless you're a violent you know psychopath like you know a, a couple of folks in russia about a hundred or so years ago um so you know then you could be your vanguard and drag people they'll with call the gun you a radlib for this you know yeah uh fuck the tankies um i i argue with the tankies all the time um but yeah no it's just that's how that happens. Um, so again, they uh, the good thing is all these little online leftists. I know they're not good shots. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's no, just... I, I I I principally agree with absolutely everything that you have to say. Um, it it really seems like there are a lot of people uh, who are disillusioned without organization. They have no idea how to properly use their education or their political, you know, motivation. So what they do is they engage in meaningless virtue signaling and drag down people who actually engage with the tragically incremental but nonetheless worthwhile process of actually fixing things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's you know, I like to call some of them, I like to call imperial leftists. You know, it's a playoff of... um was the 1840s they had the dynastic left so during the revolution of the 1840s you had leftists that really just wanted you know they wanted bread and jobs they didn't care about political liberties and rights and democracy they thought that was all bourgeois bullshit and they didn't care if the king stayed and i like to say that now because you have we have in america the idea of the imperial presidency where the executive branch has gotten more and more power both abroad and at home mm -hmm. Um, you have leftists who just fall into that and think that, oh, you know, had we had we voted Bernie, it doesn't matter if we lost the House, the Senate, Bernie would be able to snap his fingers and do everything. They have, they have no idea. They don't care about democracy or other stuff. They just want someone to use executive power to force their issues. And you end up falling into that where you go to either platitudes or just falling into kind of populist 
bull stuff, bullshit. And that, you know, populist stuff can always swing either way, yeah, you know, because sure. some populist stuff, economic populism can be worded in a way that's very left-wing and pro-worker or be very nationalistic and xenophobic. Yeah, um, it's uh, that nice that you want to avoid it. Uh, I, I agree 100%. Um, how do you suggest people try to get non-leftists into explicitly leftist unions like the IWW? I feel like the IWW is going to be like scary for some people, right? Yeah. Um, well, one big thing is to be honest when someone goes, hey, it says hey, you're trying to overthrow capitalism. You know, there can be, you know, between the working class and the employing class, you know, there's nothing in common. Uh, it stuff's blatant right there in the, the preamble of our Constitution. Um, but you'd be honest and say, look, I think you say, look, this isn't going to happen overnight. It's not going to be like a big violent thing where we all grab AKs and just take, out, take over everything. It's a process. We believe in building that better world in the shell of, you know, the new world in the shell of the old. So you want to talk to people, get them involved in that. The best way is to literally just say, this is what our union is going to do for our workplace. This is the direct stuff that we can do. And to talk about those, those immediate um, benefits to your workplace and your, your, your life. And getting them working that way and saying, look, with the uh, union, this is how we can go about it. Um, that's one of the best ways. It's the same way when people talk about, you know, the IWW being very white, you know, predominantly, not exclusively. But yeah, you've got a lot of, you know, because again, leftists can just sign up. So a lot of you know, young white male uh, leftists with beards. Um, but you, Sheesh, you just don't. start organizing the workplace. Don't, don't fucking circular firing squad here. Calm down, calm down. Hey, hey, I got, I got a, I got a mustache and a little, little west of my beard stash coming in too. And I, I am, I am rather alabaster. So that's a, okay, it's it. a hit at me as well. Um, but yeah, no, it's just I'll about the making H sure. Pass. Yeah. Making sure the, uh, the workplace is, um, organized and building that and saying, Hey, here's what we can do here and try to talk about the here and now and the immediate stuff that you guys can gain. And I think that's definitely a good way to get involved. I like to talk about how we are you know, run by the workers and most unions can be, but we emphasize that and how we are the union. We are the branch, you know, the, the workplace is going to make the, the uh, job branch that you form with your fellow workers. That's going to be the one to call the shots. I'm not going to sit there in a Connecticut branch as an officer and tell you, you need to strike unless you're, you want to be on that strike, right? I'm not going to force you to do that. I'm, we're going to back you up. We're going to have your support, but you guys take the lead. You guys call that if you want to make sure that, you know, you're at a woodworking shop and that everyone has had, you know, so many years as an apprentice beforehand, that's on you. That's a fine thing to do. Give some, you know, quality, be proud union label right there. So there's a lot of different ways you can go about it. It's mostly just talking about democracy, about the ability for you guys to do stuff and control your path and the immediate gains you'll get. And that really helps people. That helps people go, oh, yeah, because a union has won this for me. I have this because of this. I got to spend a vacation in the summer with my family for a week. You know, we get to go hiking, you know, as a family. And that's great. That's because of a union, you know, and giving, being able to force those and talk, you know, force people to kind of see what those are. It seems and, uh, like, it seems like if there was a, a way to, um, to summarize, it would basically just be, don't be conceited and don't think you're better than the people you're trying to talk to. Yes. You need to love the people around you and be part of that working class. Never talk down to them. Never think because, oh, you read, um, you know, uh, Lenin and, and Marx and Engels that somehow you're better because you're, you're not. You're, you're just a worker just like them. And you need to understand that they have concerns. They will be, oh, oftentimes people have legitimate concerns. I, I brought this up to someone about healthcare, about um, when people say, how do we pay for it? Like universal healthcare. Mm -hmm. Remember, the people who always say, oh, we can't pay for it and sustain it, blah, 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 blah. The people who came up with those talking points, sure, they were in bad faith. But the person you're probably going to be talking to that asked that question is asking it in good faith and truly does care. Like they might actually care about spending and stuff like that. So you have to be able to deal with that argument. So when you're talking with someone in the workplace, um, organizing, you got to make sure that their concerns, their fears, what matters to them, you actually listen to it and you understand them. And you don't have to like your coworkers and be best friends with them, but you do have to love them as a person, as a human being, as a fellow worker, and, and want the best for them. And make sure that their concerns are valid. You know, they may have family issues that, you know, may have to take precedence. And listen to that, the understanding about that. Um, it's a lot of empathy. 
that's you know required and sometimes that's exhausting um yeah but, you know, I, I imagine especially given the current you know political climate and people's default attitudes towards these subjects i imagine that often the conversations you're going to have are really fucking frustrating yeah and it's always always have that human element to it don't just make it of don't ever make it feel like we're pushing i'm want to push to be the union because i think this is it it's a it's a it's a best thing for the world and in america and everything remember people are more likely to join you in the union if they do feel that you really just want to make life better at the workplace and make sure that you want to make life better at the workplace that's it and that helps that connection helps it makes you have that bond and it moves on from there uh so okay take it but that, take it easy that absolutely tracks um a oh, quick question from my end uh can my youtube editors unionize yes Shit. okay yeah. don't say anymore thank you um uh, are you gonna pull a, you well, what's his name uh nathan jr nathan Robinson, Robinson. you saw that yeah i so i've never really liked that guy because he seems pretentious uh, but well, i read it his That's clothing what, again, is, my issue. yeah pretty yeah no in some of the other stuff in there and he got kind of weird toxic stuff and platforming some weird people and granted uh, some of the articles I've, I've actually read from him aren't that bad i again that's why i think i'm trying not to be on twitter or anything because i think people can always say really stupid shit on twitter and that's part of their opinions um so i think he kind of you know definitely bit that but that's definitely his own little problem um but yeah you know they can organize as well so yeah it seems like he did a big um he did a big facebook post where he basically said like oops i did a fucky wucky oops you know uh like it 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 the way he phrased it really made it seem like he just got really drunk and sad one night and like did all of it like like it's it's very like oh no like that kind of stuff you know um yeah which is really fucking funny i have to admit um yeah it, it, i i think he's bringing people back on i don't know what the future is going to look like for that it, lo it looks pretty fucked like membership wise yeah. yeah i think they wanted yeah they wanted it from a worker co-op and he was just I think got really attached and, and sometimes that happens. Um, and again, pe there are people like that real art waste place in Hartford There are people who see themselves as really, really progressive. And was it Phil Oak said the American liberal um, 10 degrees left of center, good times, 10 degrees right of center when it affects them personally. And that's pretty much, you know, what happens a lot with progressives and, and liberals and, and even people who call themselves socialists is the moment something is a threat to their power and the way they go about things they'll get really defensive and they'll become anti-union or yeah i mean it's, even it's, it's material conditions right um that's this is the reason why it's important to rail against systems and not individuals even if you have the best people imaginable in charge of you know the capitalist economy invariably they will eventually shift most of them at least towards defending the status quo because it's in their interest to do so um that's why you can never rely just, we can't have like good capitalists take over and then everything will be fine. It's not that simple. I think of anything, yeah. Nathan Robinson's behavior is a really, really stark reminder of how susceptible people are to this kind yeah. of behavior. Because ideologically, I'm sure he's sincere when he talks about his belief in unionization and worker cooperatives. I don't think he was lying when he said any of that. I just think that like fundamentally humans act in self-interest and that capitalism does not incline people to uh you know act out of self-interest when it comes to the well-being of their workers yeah it's accumulation of wealth I, I can't you could actually argue though that he's actually when he fired everyone he was being a good capitalist he wasn't being a good person or someone sticking with his ideals but he was being as a capitalist good because he was protecting his little interest of control um that's you can be a good capitalism but not be a good person um and uh those they're not they're not uh the same thing uh certainly you know. not uh some people see unions as more work but they just want to punch in and punch out and forget about it at the end of the day what would you say to if you were talking with a prospective union member what would you say to convince them off of that point well <laughs> I'd say, think about how tiring, exhausting work can be. How much you get paid from that job. How often sometimes, especially if you're in the service industry, uh, schedules get violated because they didn't plan everything out. 
at the end of the day, yeah, it'd be great if you can have a bunch of days where you can go about your, you know, your work week, do your job, do everything well, provide great service, do, you know, do it well or get it done, go home and relax and do whatever you want with your own free time. That's great. That's one of my goals. So you can go about your life and live it. Um, but without a union to make that working life bearable, we spend so much time at work that we need to make it bearable, especially for those of us who you know, now we have an issue with everyone um, who, who can work from home, trying to work from home and wishing they can stay from home, how we're supposed to adjust the work week. Um, these conversations are good, uh, primarily amongst white collar employees. Um, but for those of us who have to work in a physical space that we have to go to every day, those conditions and how, and how we can make that better, how we can make that bearable, how we can make sure we're treated with dignity and respect, how we make sure you're paid really well, how we can make sure that you have, whether it's healthcare, um, whether workplace safety, uh, that's a, still an issue in many workplaces, um, stuff like that, sick leave, things like that. And, and those benefits, sometimes a nice, decent stuff that a lot of you know, businesses take for granted and do anyway, even without a union, which is great. Um, those things required a union to get to that point and to making sure that the union is there to protect what you have or to make sure that you're not going to get you know you're you're not going to be jerked around that's vital so to make sure that you can actually sit there and clock out of your job and go home and enjoy the rest of your day and say hey i'm gonna have dinner with my family and hey i'm gonna i might help my son with his homework but if you're too tired to help your kid with with his math homework and he's struggling, and you're just exhausted. You say, I just want to sit down and zone out. I can't do anything. And it, may, it causes your partner and you to have a disagreement because work is being too stressful. Well, a union would be a great thing to make sure that your work isn't stressing you out so it doesn't infect with this negativity the rest of your life. You don't want that to happen. You know, you and your family or, or whoever you're with, you know, that's absurd. You I want agree. to make sure that you can enjoy the time off. 100%. Uh, apparently, David Pakman's in chat. Uh, is that actually Hello, David, David Pakman. Actually, David Pakman. Huh. Son of a bitch. Well, I can David have him invite me on his thing. I can just become famous now. I'll quit my real job. And howdy, David. Um, uh, uh, knocked me off my train of thought a little bit. Um, yeah, I um, no, Chad, this is a Q and A from you guys. What are we? Uh, help me out here. If you're fired for trying to organize, any tips for things you could use as evidence of unlawful firing? Always, always, always keep a workplace diary. Always keep a workplace diary for what you're doing. You should just do it anyway. Um, as, so as you're organizing, you can point out shitty stuff they did to coworkers or yourself. You can say, hey, I did this. Hey, I, and you can also have an organizing diary. Hey, I talked to this person at this point. So you can then draw a clear line from what the boss did and how they retaliated to things that you did. And you can say, look, here's evidence. This is what I did. And it becomes very obvious if that happens. Um, it also is really great when you go public um, and stuff like that. So you can say, hey, the boss did this at this time. We've we've been recording all this stuff as well. There are bosses who record, you know, the behavior of us all the time, you know, checking bathroom breaks, putting cameras up and everything. Might as well record their behavior with a diary. Um, so that helps. That's always a big thing to do. Um, gotcha. All right. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, we're coming up on. Oh, actually, we've managed to exceed an hour here. Um, do you have any uh, any any big hard hitting points that you think you'd like to end on? Oh, um, how to put this? <laughs> um, mm -hmm. the work to organize your workplace. Uh, make sure you get trained. Um, whether it's for the IWW or any other union. Uh, if you join up, try to get through that organizer training as work as possible. Make sure you get in touch with your branch. Know what you're doing before you start. Have an understanding of that and make sure that you realize there's a lot of work that has to go into it. There's work for all of this. Um, you have to put in the work. Um, you can't just jump on that and say, hey, we're going to make a bunch of memes and share stuff and, and agitate and build awareness in, in two months' time for a general strike, quote-unquote. That falls apart. That's absurd. You need to make sure you put the work in um, but take time for yourself. Don't over, don't kill yourself over it. Um, I mean, we're we're building this for everyone, right? And your safety and and livelihood and mental health is also important. So be able to be able to put the work in, be able to commit to it, and know that you and your coworkers and the people around you are worth it. Um, but make sure that you also don't over, you know overload yourself. Uh, that's important. Uh, whenever you can, uh, take steps to mitigate things. 
uh, to make the world a better place. Try to be understanding. Have some empathy for the people around you. Um, listen while you build that empathy. That can help your coworkers who may be a bit more, say, conservative than you, build empathy with coworkers that are different from them. And by building that empathy and that connection, that's how you do it. People who in these democratic unions may start organizing are going to have more understanding where they're going to start talking to a coworker who is a person of color and realize that, oh, yeah, restrictions on hair are kind of fucking stupid. And it's by having that empathy, they'll be able to understand that and realizing it's a workplace issue. And the same thing, they'll start to have empathy with LGBTQ plus, uh, you know, coworkers bit by bit. It may not, it may not take uh, as quick as you'd like, but that empathy is going to be built there. When you give that positive vibe, I don't mean to sound like a hippie when I say positive vibes, you, you build that. You build that structure. Have some kind of rules of the road. You cannot build a revolution. It's like building a house. You build a house with unsafe or toxic materials. Don't be shocked that everyone in that house um, gets lead poisoning and it collapses. You want to make sure that you're building, you know, the better world in, you know, the shell of the old. So try to have that empathy, that understanding, that democracy, that open-mindedness, um, and help people feel like they can get involved. And that's going to help them spread that to other people and be more understanding. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I, um, I appreciate you coming on and spreading the good word. Yes. I, thank you for having me on again. Um, uh, you know, if David Pakman wants to have me on, he can, and I can talk to all those people. Um, He's busy with the uh, the ongoing lawsuit uh, between the two oh. of us. Oh, oh no. Um, uh, yeah, you know, thanks. I also want to say um, good job on the Charlie Kirk, I want to say discussion? Yeah. That was I think interesting. He, he wanted a debate, but he seemed rather cowed. And, and ended I, up I think he went at it really well. Submitting to a discussion, which I won't complain about. Thank you. I'm happy with my performance as well. Also, also the, the little review you did about the Sigma male and female videos. I popped that. I laughed so hard with the beginning of the Sigma female. I was like, maybe I am a Sigma female and I'm just, I'm out for blood and vengeance because my God, I lost my mind on that one. Oh. Yeah, it was funny as fuck. I cannot believe people consume that shit unironically. It's actually extremely distressing, you know? Yes. <laughs> Well, I will get out of your hair. I know you want to play some Metro last night. Oh, so. you know me too well. Thank you, seriously, for coming on. Okay. Have a good one, Bosch, and have a good one, everyone, and be safe. Farewell.